Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning again. I want to welcome everybody here in the Granby campus as well as our online campus. You know, we're, we're grateful that you're here. And, and one of the things that's important for the body of Christ is to be able to connect with one another. So we encourage those of you online to, to connect with any of those uh, hosts that are there so that you can connect with them. But here in the, in the building, we want to encourage you to hang out afterwards in our cafe and have some refreshments. We provide that time and place for you to be able to do that. We're in the middle of this series called Summer in the Psalms, and we're working our way through the book of Psalms, not by everyone, and today we're going to be looking at at Psalm 103. So let me just begin with a story. A few years ago, Sam Snow was doing what he does. You see, he's a cab driver in Washington, D.C., and he was picking up people and driving them to their destinations, and on the day in question, he picked up a group of four, he put one person in the front and three in the back seat, and as Things normally happen with Sam. He started chatting with the customers, and eventually the conversation turned to football. Now, if you'd seen the video online, you'd understand why. He had on a Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers hat, and he had on a a Pittsburgh Steelers jacket with all of the Super Bowl patches down the right shoulder, and eventually that conversation turned uh, away from the Pittsburgh Steelers to who his favorite quarterback was, and... uh, um, He said uh, that his favorite quarterback was John Elway. Now, in the video, what you see is that someone has prompted this conversation because they've turned on their camera and they're beginning to record this. And so when uh, Sam says his favorite quarterback is John Elway, the camera pans to the right rear back seat. And guess who's sitting in the right rear back seat? It's John Elway. But Sam doesn't know it. And so the passengers begin to continue to have this conversation. And they talk about some of his other uh, favorite quarterbacks. And then they ask him, you know, hey, Sam, if you were to see John Elway, would you recognize him? Oh, yeah, sure, I would recognize him. And they're stopped at a stoplight. And they said, well, look back here. And he turns around, and sure enough, he sees John Elway. He can't believe it. And so the the conversation continues on, and and they talk about things. And and to his credit, Sam continues to praise John Elway, except he does give him a hard time about all the time that John beat the Steelers in all of those playoff games. And, you know, it's, it's a rather refreshing video because, you know, here's a guy who is praising someone who's actually in his presence, except he doesn't know it. And then once he recognizes that he's in his presence, he continues to praise him and to to tell him how he thinks he's such a great quarterback. Now, you know, I watched that video, and I thought it was refreshing for that very reason, because You know, he praised him when he didn't know he was in the car, and then he praised him when he knew he was in the car. And it's just refreshing to see somebody do that. Now, 
A part of me thinks that's refreshing because as a follower of Jesus, isn't that what we're supposed to do? When we recognize that Jesus is present with us or when we're not recognizing that he's present with us, we're supposed to praise him. And today in Psalm 103, that's what we're actually going to look at. In fact, we're not going to look at the the psalm in its entirety. We're going to only look at, at a portion of it. And King David is the author of this psalm. And in its entirety, it's all about praising God personally and then as, a, as the nation of Israel and then, and then universally. But as I said, we're just going to look at the first five verses and it's going to challenge us to praise God even when we know we can't see him, even when we're not sure he's present with us. It's going to challenge us to recognize that he is present and that we need to praise him and it needs to fuel our praise, knowing that he is present and what he's done for us. So I'm going to read those first five verses. So just just listen to them and meditate on them. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, uh, if we were to read the whole psalm, you would see that it actually starts off with the same phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Uh, You know, so, so David's really sort of wrapped up this whole psalm in worshiping God. But, but let's just sort of walk through the first verse. You know, and one author writes this, to bless the Lord means to delight God's heart by expressing our love and our gratitude for all God is and all that God has done. True praise comes from a grateful heart and that is sincerely glorifying God and seeking to please the Lord. Now, uh, as I said, though we're, though we're not looking at, at the entire psalm, you know, as I said, it's, it's bracketed by that phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so I think what David is trying to remind us, remind us is that praise needs to be continue, continual. It needs to, to be ongoing. It, it needs to be a, a way of life. And uh, as it, that first verse ends, it says this. It says, um, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So David's given us this idea that praising God with all that is within us is supposed to be completely with all that we are. It's the same idea that we see in the great commandment in the Gospels where Jesus says to those who were listening, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. It's it's to love God. With all that we are. In fact, so what we get in this idea from the psalmist and then into Jesus is that we're supposed to, to live all of our lives, to, to worship God in everything we do with all that we are. Giving God all that we are in our obedience, in our worship, and in all of our thoughts and our actions and everything we do. From verse 1, we go into verse 2. And verse 2 starts off saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, 
That sounds a little strange, uh, talking about the benefits of believing in God, but David isn't trying to convince somebody to do a benefits analysis here. Really, what he's doing is he's saying that look at all the reasons there are to praise God, to, to worship God. He says, don't forget how God has blessed you. Praise God for, for the small ways and, and the big ways. He's saying that we need to recognize that we're supposed to praise God in all things. And this is not just an Old Testament idea. It's a, it's a New Testament idea, too. We read from Paul, the apostle, in the book of Ephesians, these words. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, praise God for all the blessings you have because of Jesus don't forget them, he's saying. He's saying, praise them. And then in the next three verses, he goes through those benefits that he's talking about. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to walk through those six benefits that we see in those verses. And actually, we're going to take 30 seconds at the each, one, each of those benefits, and we're going to actually spend a little time uh, in silent prayer. I'm going to invite you to engage in silent prayer, to praise God for that benefit that you recognize, that blessing that you see in your life from God. So let, let's start off with the first one. He, he talks about blessing the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all our iniquity. So think about this. How often do you delight God by praising him as the one who forgives all of your sins? How often do you do that? You know, it's interesting when you go into the Hebrew language that this psalm was written in and you do a little bit of a study on it, you'll discover that the root word for our English word iniquity in Hebrew means to be bent or to be twisted or to be distorted. And isn't that what sin does to us? It, it bends us, it twists us, it distorts us. It, it doesn't allow us to live in the fullness of who God created us to be. And now some of you may be thinking, well, you know, my sin doesn't do that to me. Uh, but I would ask you this. How do you know unless you're living a life in the forgiveness of your sins? Because it changes us. Our sins change us. And forgiveness definitely changes us. You see, we've been offered forgiveness for our sins. And, and God offers it to us to accept it. He doesn't make us accept it. But he says, this is for you. You can accept it. And when we accept his forgiveness, acknowledging that we're sinners, then we need to repent of that sin. And that really means asking for forgiveness and, and turning the other way from the things that tempt us and make us sin. So we've been offered forgiveness of our sins. We just have to accept it. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote about this this way. He said, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I think that, think that through. He cut away all of our sins. He forgave them. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Wouldn't it be awesome to have 
any charge that's against us canceled, any debt that we have removed. But God will do that, the debt of sin. He does that by nailing it to the cross. This is why God deserves our praise. This is why David speaks about it as benefits that we shouldn't forget. God has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves when our iniquities, when our sins were canceled. And we're restored by God to be who he created us to be. So I said, we're going to do something a little different. So for for 30 seconds, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and and just focus on the fact that that God has forgiven your sins and, and praise God in those 30 seconds. And we say amen to that prayer. So moving from how God forgives us, now we're going to talk about the God who heals our diseases. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all our diseases. And, and, you know, think this through. We all want to be healed from our illnesses, but we have to accept that God is sovereign and that God is in charge. So while God is able to heal every disease, he's not obligated to do so. In fact, since we don't know the will of God, we have to trust that God knows the big picture when it comes to our healing. And I appreciate These insights from Pastor Warren Wearsby, and this is what he writes. He said, the believer's body will not be completely delivered from weakness and disease until it is redeemed and glorified at the return of Jesus Christ. He's reminding us of the big picture, all right, that that our life on earth, you know, the the 70, 80, uh, 90 years that we have on this earth is not the end. The end is eternity with God. And so that's when we'll be completely healed. But he, but he goes on, and he says this. In Scripture, sickness is sometimes used as a picture of sin and healing as a picture of salvation. So this takes into account Jesus' own words. Uh, in uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus tells a story. Uh, actually, he lives out. This is in real life. It's a, it's a story we read about a man who was born blind, and uh, Jesus heals him of his blindness. And Jesus is questioned by uh, the leaders about why he did this. And this is basically what he says. In my paraphrase, he said, this was done so that the works and the power of God can be displayed in the world. In other words, Jesus is saying that I am healing this person, not just because he's blind and wants to see, but also to show you the bigger picture about God and what he's able to do. And then in another place, Jesus equates healing sick people with calling people to get spiritually healed for their sin. And this is what he says in the Gospel of Luke. He says, is it not, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he's saying, listen, when you're righteous, you're spiritually healthy. But when you're uh, 
dead in your sins, you're not healthy. And so I've come to call the sinners to repentance. In other words, to get healthy. And this is a message that we see continued after Jesus ascends into heaven. The apostle uh, Peter says this about Jesus. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. So Peter is talking about being healed, most importantly, from the sickness of sin. You know, our bodies at some point will all die. It's a common denominator. But we want to live on forever in heaven with God and with Jesus. And that only comes when we accept the forgiveness that we receive for our sins by accepting what Jesus did on the cross for us. So let's, let's take a moment, again, 30 seconds, just to, to praise God for his healing. So let's bow our heads and let's go to God. And again, we'll say amen to that. So we, we move from blessing God for his healing. Now we're going to bless the Lord who redeems our life from the pit. What is the pit? That's interesting. You go back to the Hebrew language. Uh, in Hebrew, the word translated pit can mean destruction or death or hell. And, and we know that God has redeemed Israel from the destruction they found in Egypt when they were held as slaves. And so he delivered them out of that pit of slavery. And the reason we praise God today is because he has saved us from the eternal consequences of sins that would damn us to eternal destruction in hell forever. So we praise him that he has redeemed us out of the pit the Apostle Paul writes about this, and this is how he says it in the book of Colossians. He says, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption. So in other words, God has redeemed us from hell and brought us into the kingdom of heaven, where we will spend eternity. He has redeemed us from, from everything that would hold us down eternally. He has taken us out of the pit. So again, let's take a little time to praise him for redeeming us from destruction. Let's bow our heads and pray. We'll say amen again. So we go from redemption to blessing the Lord who crowns us 
with steadfast love and mercy. Now, you know, that's an interesting way to talk about God's love and mercy, to, to be crowned with it. You know, we usually talk about God showing us love and mercy, not crowning us with us, but, but the psalmist who wrote this is a king, remember? It's King David, and obviously he knows something about being crowned. So, so let's think about what it must be like to be crowned for a moment, you know, to have that, that crown placed on our heads. You know, despite how someone becomes a monarch, when a monarch is crowned, that crowning has to come with it a great deal of, of feeling blessed and feeling honored. And so what, what David is saying is that God crowns us with love and mercy. He's saying that God bestows it on us, this blessing and this honor, that he loves us and he wants to be merciful to us. Now, this is a big deal. And David knows that because he knows God's love and mercy is a big deal. And I can tell that because if we were actually to read through the entire Psalm 103, you would see that David doesn't speak about love once, not twice, not three times, but, but four times in those 22 verses in, in very specific ways. Why? Because he understands God's love for us, how, how fully encompassing it is, how full it is in every single way. Just as we're called to love God with all that we are, God loves us with all that God is, and, and that's powerful. And none other, no other of these benefits are spoken about as many times as he speaks about love. So the reality is this, is that God's love and mercy for us then can't be denied. It's, it's always there, and we need to praise God for it. In the New Testament, we read this about God's love and mercy. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved because of God's love for us, for his richness and mercy. So we see God's love and mercy is given to us freely by God. And when we recognize that, it should drive us to praise and to worship him. And so again, we're going to pause for 30 seconds. And I just want you to, to praise God for his love for you and for his mercy for you. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. And again, we'll say amen. From the blessing of love and mercy, we go on to the blessing that God satisfies us with good. The things that God blesses us with satisfy us with good things, like a meal satisfies our hungry. We need to understand that God is our provider, that he provides all that we need for us, both our physical and our spiritual needs. And, and using food and drink as a metaphor, David talks about the way God provides for our spiritual needs. And we actually see that specifically in, in Psalm 107, where, where we read, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
Jesus took up the same idea. You know, when you read through the Gospel of John, you'll see that he continually says these statements about who he is. He'll say, I am. In this case, he says, I am the bread of life. And and this is how he continues. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's saying he's going to satisfy us with good things. He's going to fill those needs that we have. Now, if you're wondering, uh, is God going to put food on people's tables? The, the answer is yes. And we have to understand that, that how God does that is he provides us with gifts, with talents, with skills, with abilities to be able to work, to earn an income, to put food and beverage on our tables. And you say, well, what about folks who who are struggling and have needs met. Well, as children of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, he actually wants to work through us to make sure that we give generously to those who are in need so that he can provide through us working through his spirit to care for those. He he gives us good things. He provides us what we need. So let's take time again to praise him for those good things. Let's bow our heads. And we say amen again. So from taking care of our needs for uh, giving those things to us, David goes on and he talks about blessing the Lord who renews our youth like the eagles. Now, I think many of us are familiar with the promise from the prophet Isaiah who wrote, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God will renew our strength to follow him. You know, he's not going to turn the the clock back on our aging process, if that's what you're thinking, but he's going to renew our strength to follow him. He will give us strength that we didn't think we had to be able to follow him. You know, in, in the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote that are recorded in the New Testament, we see that God renews us and our strength in the here and now on this earth, but he also does it for eternity. So listen to what the apostle wrote in his second letter to the church in Corinth. He said, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. He gives us the strength to follow him from here into eternity. We just need to lean on him. So let's praise him. Let's bow our heads and and praise him for taking care of us and giving us that strength.
And we say amen to that. Uh, worship leader and musical artist Matt Redman wrote the song, 10,000 Reasons. It's the one we sang earlier this morning in our worship time. And this is what he said about writing that song. He said, I've always loved Psalm 103 and how the writer lists all of these brilliant reasons for why his heart is full of worship for God. Because he heals our diseases, he redeems our lives from the pit, he crowns us with love and compassion, and on and on he goes. So in the verses of this song, he said, we tried to make a little list of our own, noting, of course, that we're hardly scratching the surface of God's worth. There are 10,000 reasons for our hearts to find. And with anyone or anything else, that would be an outrageous overstatement. But with Jesus, he says it's a huge understatement. The point behind the song is this, and this is important. Listen to what he says. If you wake up one morning and you cannot think of a reason to bring God some kind of offering of thanks or praise, then there can be sure that there's something wrong with your end of the pipeline and not his. We live beneath an unceasing flow of goodness and kindness and greatness and holiness. And every day we're given reason after reason why Jesus is so completely and utterly worthy of our highest and best devotion. So when you read Psalm 103, what should you do? Well, we should do like David. We should praise God for the countless blessings that he showers on us. And we should actually make it a point to pay attention to those blessings and, and praise him when we recognize them. And one of the ways that we can praise him is also by taking him at his word and trusting him and doing what he calls us to do. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.